Welcome to the Five Yard Halo. Jack, Troy, and Alfred with you. No Josh, no Malcolm this week, but an exciting week in the Canadian Football League nonetheless. Boys, how you doing? How we feeling on this Monday after the weekend schedule of games are over? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's uh man, it's so crazy to think about how far we are into the CFL season, but uh games have started to get better, a little more competitive. Um yeah, Tyke has one again, so obviously I'm doing pretty good. Tyke has one, eh? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was it was not a bad weekend, you know, not a bad slight slate of games. Um not as exciting as the, the last few weeks, but you know, it's still a good week nonetheless. We saw a big, uh, a major, I wouldn't say an upset at all, but, you know, Montreal coming in, you know, beating up on uh, <clears throat> Calgary was uh, something that, you know, wasn't expected, but, you know, it's pretty cool to see that the competitive, the competitiveness of the league. Like, I was looking at the power rankings, and I was, I was thinking, I was like, this is like the first time I've seen the power rankings, and like, like, imagine you saw these power rankings like a year ago, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe them. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I like the, I like the way the you know the league's playing out this year, and it's a very competitive, very competitive. Yeah, it started on uh, what was that Thursday night that the Tie Cats won? Friday, Friday night. We didn't have a, a Thursday night game this week. It was Friday night. The Tie Cats uh, went to the nation's capital, took on the Ottawa Red Blacks. They come away with a 16 to 12 victory. Um, the big news coming out of that one: Bo Levi Mitchell is out for an extended period of time. Troy, you were telling us before we started recording that it looks like he's probably just post-Labor Day is the expected return time for no Bo Levi Mitchell. I believe he went on, uh, uh, went through a surgery on his leg already. Yeah. Um, and that happened late in the game in like a kneel-down situation. Um, now, I get it. It's, it's like you're pushed up against your own goal line. You want to get some yards so you don't have to give up the safety and then kick the ball back to Ottawa and a field goal wins them the game. Um, but now you've been without Bo Levi Mitchell for so long. Um, you're now without him again. Matthew Schiltz is still out. So now it goes back to Taylor Powell to try and get things done for these Hamilton Tiger Cats before we get into the future of Hamilton Troy what did you what were your thoughts overall of, of this game um, from the Ticats perspective loved what I saw from the defense um, Dustin Crum you know uh, proved he can do some things in this league against Winnipeg and uh, Calgary two pretty proven defenses over the years and I mean to be honest I was pretty worried going into the game and Hamilton's defense gave their best performance of the season by far uh, I think they sat Crum seven times um, they forced a turnover on down, I believe, and they also forced uh, interception. And, uh, you know, obviously when you hold a team to 12 points in the CFL, you should win 95% of the time. Um, but on offense, there was some stuff that I like too, you know, bully by the first two series of the game, even with the weather delay, uh, move the ball pretty seamlessly other than an interception. And, um, but, you know, when he has five interceptions over the, over the course of a game, four of which were, I believe, his fault. The one I won't fault him for, Tim White, um, got to catch that. It was a pretty easy dig route and bounced out of his hands into the uh, red-black defender's hand. But, I mean, obviously that none of that really matters at the end of the day because all the headlines are going to go towards, as you said, Bo Levi Mitchell getting injured and... Um, 
Yeah, it's just an unfortunate play, you know. Coach O, I was listening to the Ticats Audio Network this afternoon on my way home from work, and Coach O said that that was the play call for um, them to go for a sneak because they're backed up on their own two-yard line. And that was due to the fact that Kenneth George Jr. took a penalty. Um, they would have been on the five-yard line. Casey Sales makes an unbelievable play, knocks down Dustin Crum, third down play. Shout out Casey Sales. Yeah, he, he's coming into his own. He started the season off a little bit slow, but he's been a dog the last couple of weeks. I've been really impressed with him. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, it's it's funny how they say any play can change the course of a game. While the result wasn't different, that play by Kenneth George Jr. taking the penalty does change the course of the game, right? Because and potentially the Ticats, the remainder of the Ticats season, because... You know, he takes that penalty instead of being on the five. You just snap it, kneel down, you have no worries about it. Obviously, then that changes the play call. And Bully by Mitchell is trying to dive forward to gain an extra yard to make, give them a little bit of breathing room. Jovan Santos knocks, pulls him back, and breaks his ankle. He's back on the sixth game, as you said, expected to be back just after Labor Day, hopefully. I think that's being a little optimistic. But at the time, I thought he was done for the year. I thought it was going to be uh, ruptured Achilles or... Like a full break of the ankle, but I guess best case scenario, I guess, if you want to say that, you know, obviously the best case would be for him to not um, be injured at all. But um, if he was going to be injured <laughs> on that play, I guess the fact that he can come back at some point this season, I guess, is the lone bright spot. But I mean, yeah, defense played well, offense not so good, and uh, I guess it's Taylor Powell's season. I have a question though. If. If, you know, you guys aren't in a position to make playoffs, is it worth coming back? Or just, you know, tell Bo to, you know, we'll run it back next year. Like, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I, I think so because I think it's important for him to play because he's played, well, I guess two full games. And then I guess he was into the fourth quarter against Toronto. But, you know, I think if Hamilton's going to do anything in the playoffs, it's going to be off the back of Bo Levi Mitchell. I think that due to the East and just the fact that they've taken the season series now against Ottawa, I believe that Powell, a Powell-Schiltz combination could get them in a position to still be within the fight. But I don't think they're going to be able to pull far enough away um, from Ottawa or Montreal to be able to say, hey, Bo, well, yeah, Calgary. I mean, right now it looks like there might be a better chance for an East crossover to the West than vice versa. But... Um, yeah, you know, I just don't think that they're a good enough team to put themselves in that position to where they just say, hey, Bo, let's just, you know, try again next year. And I think he gives them the best chance to win in the playoffs. And I think that it's important for him to come back and get those reps um, with those receivers and with James Butler in the offensive line before playoff time because, you know, the time for Hamilton to win, even though it looks like their team isn't as good as they should be, is to win right now. Like, they're looking to try and win this home great cup. And I think Bo Levi Mitchell is the best uh, best chance for them to do that. Five interceptions in that game. Like, the way he played in that game makes you feel like he's the best option. Like, my personal view on it, I said it at the beginning of the year, I think Bo's a little overhyped, how he saw it ending Calgary. What we've seen at the beginning in Hamilton, I haven't seen enough from Bo Levi Mitchell for me to say, like, hey, I think this guy is, is going to be the, like, I, I don't think he's going to win Hamilton a Grey Cup this year. Like, I don't think he's the piece, right? Like, I think, like, he's just not at that point in his career anymore. Um, 
And I think that, you know, and I kind of said this to you guys before we started recording, I think we're at a spot with Hamilton where they can just deflect a lot of the issues this year as, well, Bo's been hurt. But we just haven't seen it from him when he does play that he was good enough. Like, I'm, I just, I don't see that game on Friday. I don't see how he played against Toronto um, and say, hey, like, this guy was ready to go. He was ready to be back to the old Bowie by Mitchell. Winnipeg. Yeah. The Winnipeg like, game. I, I when just, came, I'll say it. the Winnipeg game was rough too. Like those two picks from Demario Houston, um, you know the reads. I don't know what the reads are like right now, but this is very like I don't know if it's just like something the spell that you know Hamilton has on these QBs, but everything, all the picks look the same from like the past I, like two three years. It, like, it literally comes back to like if so if he throws a pick like he, he threw picks late in that game. Ottawa goes down and Crum scores in crunch time again and Hamilton loses the game. Bo stays healthy. The narrative that we are talking about right now, very, very different. And it's not even a matter of like one or two plays that he did. It's literally the fact that his team won and then he got hurt. And that's like, that's the way that the narrative shifted, right? Like you heard uh, the Denver Nuggets talk about it after the Western Conference final against the Lakers. How quickly nobody wanted to talk about how LeBron got swept because he said he was probably going to retire. Well, nobody wants to talk about how bad Bo Levi Mitchell played because he's hurt and he won't be back for a while. And now it's a woe is me scenario for the Ticats. And I just feel like there's not enough being said about the bad plays that he's making to say that, hey, this guy, like, I don't, I think he's better than the other options that they have in the quarterback room, you know, the injured guys in Schiltz and the healthy guys in Powell, but I don't see Hamilton being a great cup contender with this current version of Bo Levi Mitchell at quarterback. No, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't think any of the quarterbacks right now that they're a great cup contender, but if I was to choose one of the three guys, I think Bo you got to go with the guy that has the experience in the big game that's done it before, right? So, I mean, it sucks, like, with the fact of his injuries is I think that they're kind of tied together in terms of him not playing well and him and the injuries as well, just because, you know, it's a brand-new offense. He's never played with any of the receivers. I guess Richie Sandani he's played with a bit in Calgary. But you, the point was that they were supposed to build, and maybe this was part of not playing them that often in preseason. But it seems like they haven't really gained that chemistry between him and the receivers, right? And then he gets injured week two, then it's a different quarterback, and now Hamilton's back on their third-string quarterback, and it's their fourth quarterback change of the season through seven games. And, I mean, how are you going to build chemistry with anybody, right? So I guess to me, yeah, he didn't play well enough on Friday. I mean... There, there were some plays that he just looked like he got greedy on. There was stuff available to him. Like, Ottawa gave him a lot, and he decided he was going to go for the deep ball a couple times, and that was a mistake. But, um, yeah, I, I think the two are tied together because he hasn't <coughs> had enough of, you know, enough game reps, I guess, to be able for me to say, like, hey, this is just kind of who he is now. Because, you know, he's been hurt majority of the season, right? And hasn't been able, as I said, to build that chemistry with his uh, the remainder of his offense. So, But 
a lot of coaches out there say the best uh, ability is availability. Right? So the fact that he hasn't <laughs> been on the field, I, I think Bully by Mitchell's best years are behind him. And I think the Ticats, when they made that trade, I'm pretty sure they felt pretty similarly about it as well. They were just hoping that they could milk the last maybe year, maybe year and a half, two years out of them. And looks like that uh, might not have been the right call. Well, and you know, like it could be one of those things where he just has to gel with those guys. But again, yeah, like when you're when you're hurt that often, it makes it tough to mesh with guys that you've never played before. Um, and then when it he's not playing, like pers- guys that you've played with when you've been hurt that long, like you know, it makes that a little bit of an easier transition. But you know, if you go a year and a half without playing with Kamar Jordan, you're not just going to instantly pick it up and go, oh yeah, it's just like it was three years ago when we were throwing for a thousand yards by August for Jordan, right? So right. it makes it tough for no matter who your teammates are, but. definitely the fact that he's been out um, on a new team with guys he's never played with. I think it just makes it that much harder for him. So that's the news from Hamilton. They still do pick up the win. So they're three and four right in the mix. Everybody, you know, you have Toronto at six and oh, I believe it's Montreal is three and three. Yeah. yeah, Montreal is three and three. And then Hamilton and Ottawa are three and four. Um, Ottawa who lost that game to Hamilton to drop to three and four after going three and three to start lose a little bit of the crumb magic didn't seem like he had it i mean the whole game just kind of seems like it was the first three quarters from the last two games um that we saw with dustin crumb and just couldn't i think everybody expected a fourth quarter comeback because that's what we saw with him and he almost did it against hamilton when he came off the bench and then he did it against winnipeg and he you know went toe-to-toe with calgary and um, just couldn't do it, uh, piece it together against Hamilton. So Ottawa drops to three and four, but they go to Saskatchewan next week. Um, if you're Hamilton, how do you adjust after this loss to the Ticats? Because this could have put you in a really good position. Like you, you could have taken over third place or second place in the East Division, and now you're you're trying to play catch up again in the standings. If you're the Red Black, so how do they rebound going into Saskatchewan next week? Yeah, I mean, as you said, they've already lost the season series against Hamilton. So not only does it set them back in the standings, that sets them back as well. You know, that could have pretty major playoff implications when we get to October and November. But, you know, I if I'm the Red Blacks, I kind of just let this... You know, Dustin Crum, I've noticed in the last two games, his biggest struggles have been where the defense has set a guy to basically just spy him and not allow him to roll out of the pocket and just scramble. Um, I think the biggest adjustment that Kahari Jones and Dustin Crumb is going to have to make is um, definitely figuring out a game plan to counteract uh, what those defenses are doing because now it's been shown on film that he struggled with that. So how do you counteract it? And I believe I'm Saskatchewan's going to be dumb if they don't follow the same recipe, right? So, but, you know... Mosaic, the Riders haven't looked very good since Trevor Harris has been hurt. Um, it's obviously a very winnable game for the Red Blacks, so um, figure that out, and I think Dustin Crum uh, can uh, go back to being the darling of the CFL. Yeah, I think I, I kind of said it two weeks ago where very clearly Dustin Crum's struggles come throwing the football and especially trying to throw the football downfield. Um, that's where he struggled the most. And then when you take away his ability to run with a spy, it just makes it that much more difficult 
to open up the passing game because there isn't this threat for the defensive backs to say whose guy is that like when he rolls out like you know you can stay in your coverage in your zone on your man depending on the coverage that you're playing because you have a guy in judge or you know who had uh who hamilton had spying on him um in that game to be able to go and get him uh and you have trust that he's going to make that play so um, yeah, I definitely think that uh, Ottawa's got to be a little bit more creative with the play calling uh, going into Saskatchewan. But like you said, Saskatchewan's struggling. They go out east. They take on the Toronto Argonauts. They go down 21 to nothing early, and the Argos just kind of cruise to a 31-13 win. Saskatchewan scored late, but it was a touchdown when the Argos were playing off. Um, like The Argos got special teams touchdown uh, from Leak early on. Um, they got some plays on defense. The offense struggled, but the worst that the Argos offense has looked and the worst that Chad Kelly has looked this season, and they come away with a 31-13 win, and they go to 6-0 and on the year, um, and they uh, walk away with a second consecutive touchdown Atlantic win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Alfred, what do you think of this one? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, I, I mean, it wasn't a surprise at all. It wasn't a surprise at all the way the way the game went, but man, it it's just the Argos are just clicking on every level imaginable, and they don't look like they're gonna stop anytime soon. I don't know who can stop them. I don't know, you know, I don't know what scenario you know we see we, we get where we're like, okay, this might be the game where this Argos are gonna lose. Like I don't even think if they face Winnipeg, I don't know when that game is, but whenever Winnipeg comes to town or they go to. IG field I don't see it being like oh you know this might be a close one it, it still might be you know a blow up in favor of the Argos so the Argos just look like the most complete team we've seen in a while um you know like one of the you know Winnipeg in the past one of the past Winnipeg teams where you know the offense is clicking the defense is clicking and and then also they have an elite special teams unit as well so um yeah for me, just watching that game, it was just there was just it was just the Argos just completely dominating. You know, obviously they're facing Jake Delagala and, and Mason Fine, but like you know they didn't have a chance. I don't think they have a chance even with Trevor Harris. So um, the team looks really good, man. Yeah, like the the defense steps up. Yeah, the defense steps up at the important point when the offense is struggling. They're not allowing Saskatchewan's offense to score. To your point, Alfred, September 29th is the only trip that the Argos make to IG Field. They don't play the BC Lions again this year, and I think they have two more games against Montreal. So, But I would, like, I would say, as of right now, you would look at all the matchups down the line. The way it's sitting right now, the Argos are going to be favored in every matchup that they go into the rest of the year. Sorry to yeah. cut you off there, Troy. No, that's okay. I cut you off. I was just going to ask, is Alfred uh, predicting an 18-0 season for the Toronto Argonauts? I mean, man, like, it's it's realistic. It's it, it's like, it's realistic. You got all these QBs going down. Like, you got Saskatchewan, you know, they're they're fumbling around with QBs. <laughs> the, the Elks. I mean, moment of silence for them. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... like <laughs> Um, you, you got I can't even I can't even get my point out. You know, you know, you got Ottawa. I mean, Dustin Crum is emerging, but you know, like I think to counteract that point, though, Alfred, if Toronto's sixteen and two, or sixteen and zero, and nobody's coming near them, 
Cameron Dukes playing the last two games of the regular season. Right? Fair enough. Like, fair enough. But then you get into the point of, well, if he plays the last two games, then you get a bye so Chad Kelly doesn't play for three weeks. I, you know, I think their depth is good enough where the defense could win them games with a newer quarterback starting a late season game for them. Um, but yeah, like I, I totally understand what where you're coming from. Like the like eighteen and zero is on the table. I still think it's a stretch because teams are going to have bad days in the office. Teams are going to struggle. It it is what it is. It's football. Like very rarely do you see a team go undefeated. But it's impressive what they've done to this point of the season, right? Like, how good they've looked and how well they've clicked early on is beyond impressive through the six, first six weeks of the season. Have yep. you, did you see the uh, graphic with uh, turnover differential? Have you seen that graphic at all? I mean, yeah, three down nations. Bro, they're, they're, probably, they're probably like plus, they're probably like, Plus fourteen more than the next person. Like yeah, like you know I, what I'm saying? but that I think that's uh, as equal a testament to Chad Kelly not turning the ball over and the running backs not fumbling as it is to the defense forcing the turnovers. Like the defense yeah. forcing turnovers is nuts. What they're doing on the defensive side of the ball is crazy. But a lot of times where you see that stat balance out is you have a quarterback, especially uh, a newer quarterback in the league, little trigger happy forces a lot of turnovers um through interceptions running backs fumble the ball or we have interceptions I, in the game i <laughs> 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 yeah even some of the older guys throwing five interceptions in the game you know some of the more veteran guys even throwing six at some point yeah. um but it's like i don't i can't recall andrew harris or aj olette putting the ball on the ground either like it's just it's it's been a total buy-in and even like offensively they they struggled. They kept powering through, and they kept pushing through, and they were able to kind of get things done and, and close out that game on, on Saturday afternoon against the struggling Saskatchewan Rough Riders team. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Football games are tough to win. Um, also, did you hear that, like, none of the change rooms at Husky Stadium were air-conditioned? So they had to, like, pump in air and, like, bring in a whole bunch of fans into the Argos locker room, which was, like, the St. Mary's huskies locker room and there was no air conditioning for the guys so it was even hotter in the locker room than it was on the field for the argos that's pretty crazy hey you get a good stretch in there you get a yeah. good stretch you get loose yeah. before the game like yeah exactly yeah. but like one... Sorry, go, go ahead troy no no you I, go just, ahead. I just was gonna say you know i've been really impressed with the argos like i'll give them all their flowers all the props as much and all as that's like you know vinegar taste Fan. <laughs> but I do want to I do want to see how they react when they face some adversity because you know it seems like all the dominoes have kind of fallen their way so far I think the Argos they haven't trailed in the fourth quarter yet have they well because they they toast everyone in the third I, know, I was gonna I, say I don't I don't know I, how many times they've trailed in the third quarter no, uh well no against Montreal yeah I mean like, Montreal, they were trailing Montreal gave them a good test. I will say they passed that test playing in a close game. But I, I, as you said, like there, I personally feel like nobody in the CFL has ever, over the course of the however many years the league goes past my death and all of that, that any team is ever going to finish wire to wire eighteen and zero. But if they do, there's going to be some points where they face adversity, and I'm just interested to see kind of how they handle that. So. Um, 
you know, there are going to be times when they get down in games. There are going to be times where Chad Kelly throws a couple picks or makes a couple bad throws or, you know, A.J. Ouellette puts the ball on the ground a couple times. And it's just going to be interesting for me to see how they react to that because it's easy when you're winning and everything's going your way, but the great teams are able to handle everything that gets thrown at them. And Toronto, I guess just in my opinion, I haven't seen enough get thrown their way to, you know, as I don't remember the coach, maybe I think it was Dennis Green to crown him yet. But oh, for sure, yeah. Like we're we're eight weeks through the season, you know. Like we're not crowning a Grey Cup champion yet, but you know what they have done has been impressive. Oh, um, they were down. They were down ten seven to Montreal at the half. They had scored them thirteen to three in the third quarter. And again, to Alfred's point, like that's been another uber impressive part of the Argos this year is how well they've come out of halftime. You know, you see a lot of teams, especially when you're a lot better than your opponents and you're dominating the first half, it's really easy to go into halftime, feel like you got it in the bag, come out in the third quarter and lay an egg, and all of a sudden you got a game and you kind of got to get back into that game mode. Um, the Argos don't have that this year, you know, they uh, as, as of yet. Like, they just haven't come out of halftime poorly yet this year. Um, but you're right. You, you have to see what they do up against adversity. Um, sometimes it it gets tough to face adversity when you are this much better than everybody else. And that's just, you know, the reality of the situation. Um, and, you know, you can't really fault the Argos for trying to be the best team that they can. They're the best team that they are. And um, and right now it's working for them. They're 6-0, but they have 12 games to go in the regular season. There's a there's a long way to go, and they only have one more bye week, right? So, yes, they're six points up on the next closest team in the East Division, and early on it really does seem like it's a race for second, and it's going to be a good race for second in the East. Um, that first round bye in the playoffs is going to be huge for the Argos because of where two of their first three buys fell in the regular season. Um, so I think they have that in mind moving forward too. They know that they're working for something and that – a regular season East Division championship does mean something because it means that they get some rest after a long stretch in the in the regular season without a break, and then they get to go into the playoffs a little bit more refreshed than everybody else who have to play a competitive game. I'm going to skip over the second Saturday game because I want to touch on that last um, <laughs> and move right to the Sunday game. Um, Sunday, uh, the Montreal Alouettes, so at the time of recording, this was last night, Montreal Alouettes hosted the Calgary Stampeders. D- uh, weather delay at halftime, uh, but Montreal comes away with a 25-18 to win over Calgary. Things not going well in Calgary right now. Um, Montreal gets the victory, so Montreal keeps pace with everybody else. It was a big win for them. They're 3-3 three and three because of their... Uh, because they've had an early buy and Hamilton and Ottawa haven't. They're 3-3, three and three, Hamilton and Ottawa 3-4. and four. Um, So Montreal currently in second place in the East Division. Um, but seems like things are, are coming to a boiling point in Calgary. Something's got to give, something's got to change. Craig Dickinson calling out his players earlier this week for not taking care of their bodies, and that's why they have so many injuries. Um, and his team loses again. And another, like we, I talked about this last week when I did the episode by myself, but Calgary has an opportunity. They see what Saskatchewan did the day before. They have a chance to then 
match or do better than what Saskatchewan does. Saskatchewan loses two games. Calgary loses two games. And they're not gaining any ground. They're 2-5. and five. Things just not going well for the Stampeders. Troy, I'll start with you because you're in the city that we're talking about right now. Not all peace and love in Stampland right now. Yeah, those... Dave Dickinson's made a couple comments this year that's kind of caught me by surprise. Mm-hmm. And it's not, obviously, they're not comments that a coach makes when things are going really well. And it seems like just when uh, Jake Mayer looked like he was maybe turning a corner, I thought he had an excellent performance the week prior against the Red Blacks. Um, he kind of reverts back to his old ways and looks kind of like we're going, oh, is there maybe a quarterback change happening here again in Calgary? Or Yeah, it's just he's so inconsistent with his play. And, you know, I think the Stamps, I think they have a good team on paper. Um, but quarterback is a major struggle right now. And, um, you know, just based off people that I know that are Stamps fans and Stamps reporters and all that, like, it's crazy to think about the Stamps being 2-5. and five. Like, they haven't had a losing record since 2007. So it looks like they're well on their way to... M- following that up having their first losing record in you know close to well over 10 years um so yeah i'm not i'm not really sure what the answer is i'm not a huge believer in tommy stevens outside of being a really good short yardage quarterback um but yeah you need more from jake mayer on a game-to-game basis and not throw for 400 yards one week and then throw for 150 and no touchdowns. And, you know, just some of his decisions, like the third down play last night against Montreal, he could have easily ran for a first down, got him a fresh set of downs, and instead he heaves a deep ball to the back of the end zone. So that's, uh, that's yeah, it's crazy um, just for the Stamps that they're uh, playing this inconsistently. Yeah, you know what, and I think for for Calgary too, it's just frustrating because you see it from Jake Mayer. You know, again, like you said, one week you're you're 450 yards, and then the week after, you know, you're 150, and all of a sudden, it's like, why can't we get at least like you would rather a consistent performance, right? I'd rather you go for 250, 275, high completion percentage, um, but not trying to force the ball downfield. Then, hey, some weeks you're throwing for over 400. And then most weeks you're throwing for less than two. Um, So the frustration there for Calgary. I think one of the other crazy things to talk about the Stampeders right now, 0-3 at home. They're just one of two teams who haven't won a home game so far this year. So usually McMahon Stadium, one of the more difficult places to play in the Canadian Football League. Um, And Calgary has been walked over there. Of course, this game on the road. Um, but again, the opportunity to go and do better than what Saskatchewan did this week, and it, it was just lost. And, and shout out to Montreal because they're a very good football team. Um, they're 3-3, three and three, but I think they're better than what their record speaks. I think quite clearly they are that second-best team in the um, East Division. And so, you know, hats off to Montreal, and, and they pick up a win to kind of keep pace in the middle of the East Division there, and, and they got, you know, a chance to pull away this weekend with the Saturday home game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Alfred, what do you think about Montreal right now? 
Um, exactly what I was saying earlier, um, like earlier in the weeks is this, this is a team that is going to compete in every game. Um, a team that's going to, you know, cause a lot of problems for a lot of teams and they're doing exactly that. The emergence of, they have two elite wide receivers right now. You know, I don't think a lot of teams could say that right now that they have two, uh, elite wide receivers. What is that sound? Who's that? Who's that? What? Like, you don't hear that? Jack, you don't hear that? No. Oh, the, like, jackhammer or whatever? Yeah, there's a lot of gain, <laughs> as Jack would like to say. I'm, I can hear, like, wind. Hold on, let me see if it's me. Couldn't be me. It's definitely you. I hear someone's yeah. phone buzzing. That's, that's my phone, but that's not what... It's you. No. No. It's it is Troy. Yeah, my my uncle's over doing shit in our bathroom. Okay. Can you hear that though? Man, yeah, it's no, no, been going I, on I, I, the whole fine. time. No, it was just it just it was it was just a it was just loud when I was talking. That's all. Anyways, it's okay. We I know we're exactly where we are. Anyways. <clears throat> You suck. <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly what I've been saying this whole year um, for, you know, the Montreal Alouettes. They're going to compete in every game. They're going to be, you know, a, a great opponent to every, you know, team that they face. Um, and they got two elite receivers in Austin Mack and K.O. Julian Grant, which are, you know, two of the top five, you know, receivers in the league right now um, in terms of stats and just, you know, production on the field. And... Cody Fajardo is playing inspired football right now, and this is that's all you can ask for, um, for you know from a team right you know a team like this who lost you know their MOP candidate in um, Gino Lewis and you know had a restructuring of their front office. You know what I'm saying that's all you can ask for for a team to go out there and compete every week, and they're doing just that, and we're seeing like you know you know the absolute best version of that type of, uh, you know, commitment to winning right now or commitment to, you know, playing their hardest. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy because a lot of teams or a lot of people, a lot of quote-unquote experts pick the Elks or, and not, excuse me, not the Elks, the Alouettes to be far and away the worst team in the league this year, right? And, you know, there were some people kind of predicting them to finish in the 3-4 win mark and they've already looks like they're going to be well on their way to surpassing it right so um yeah the alouettes have definitely been uh i feel like story that hasn't been talked about enough in terms of the stuff that they went through in the off season and uh looks like they should be um yep right in the thick of the playoff race yeah i think montreal's just kind of going through like i I, I thought Montreal was a good team. Um, I thought they were better than what people were pegging them as at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and they did a good job against Calgary, a struggling Calgary team. Like, for Montreal, that's a win you have to have. Again, for Calgary, I feel like that was a win that they should have had. Um, they're probably leaving Montreal with a sour taste in their mouth um, because being 2-5 and five just isn't good enough. And when you have a chance to keep pace with Saskatchewan um, – you know, it's just, it's not how you want to go about handling your business. All right, let's go to the last game 
it wasn't the last game of the weekend, but it's the, the game we wanted to talk about the least. The BC Lions go into Edmonton 27 to nothing. First time in CFL history a team has been shut out twice in the same year by the same team. Edmonton hadn't been shut out in a CFL game in 47 years. They've been shut out twice in six weeks. The BC Lions cruise to another win. They're 6-1. and one. Oh, lot to unpack here. So before we start this conversation, we will say earlier today, Chris Jones did announce Stephen McAdoo has been moved into an advisor role. Uh, Jarius Jackson has taken over the play calling duties. Um, so, <laughs> Troy, you shook your head on the advisor role. Um, the reason why what is he McAdoo's... Uh, he's actually he's a, he's advising the defense. He's going to a defensive advisor role from offensive coordinator. Again, the coaching cap that is in place right now. Um, they still got to pay him. You, they his contract goes through the end of next year. <laughs> they still got to pay. So him. he has this why. season and next season in Edmonton. This coaching staff in Edmonton is not going anywhere. So they have to shuffle around with what who they have in the building. Stephen McAdoo who. Clearly has not done his job well enough. Uh, gets moved out of that role but goes into a defensive advisor role. Jarius Jackson takes over the play calling. Already announced, Taylor Cornelius will be the third string short yardage quarterback. And there is a quarterback competition for QB1 between Jarrett Daggy and Trey Ford. Um, this comes on the heels of this 27 to nothing loss against the BC Lions. What do you guys think? Yeah, first off, just kind of to echo what Alfred said in the previous segment, moment of silence for uh, Elks fans and listeners out there, man. Like, I was thinking about it on Saturday watching that game as a Ticat fan. I, like, strongly hate, like, I hate myself sometimes, the fact that I decided to become a fan of that team. And, like, I hate the team some days for the stuff that they put me through, like the decision, such as uh, the Bo Levi Mitchell injury. But... Man, the Elks, they're just in tough. Like, Elks fans, I, I commend you for sticking it through. Like, I don't know how much more torture you can take, but hopefully uh, brighter days are now ahead with Jarius Jackson um, taking over the play calling. I've seen a lot of good reviews from former players, and I tweeted out Friday or Saturday night to free Trey Ford. Baby, it looks like he might be free. So hopefully uh, that's, um, th- that's kind of where it goes because, you know, Based off what we've seen from Jared Daggy, either he's not the uh, he's not the answer in Edmonton as well. But um, one thing that I did want to talk about too is just with Stephen McAdoo. It's crazy the amount of former players. The most notable that I read was from Odell Willis talking about that it was the same scheme, same system, you know, same OC in 2015. And he just said it really goes to show how many dogs we had on that 2015 Grey Cup winning team because, you know, the system it shows is not very good. And they were able to make it work and win a Grey Cup. So um, just crazy to see the players, the love they have for former players, I guess, the love they have for Jarius Jackson and uh, maybe the dislike for uh, Stephen McAdoo. Alfred? Oh. Yeah, um man, like I the Elks is the Elks situation is is actually incredible to watch. 
You know, they have the worst um, home losing streak in pro sports history. You know, they can't figure out how to play the quarterback position. They have a good defense, which is the craziest part about all this. They have a competent defense. Their biggest problem, their biggest problem is the fact that they don't have a QB that can play football um, to save his life. And then they don't have anyone who can run an offense either. It's just, just like, like what's going on? Like, And it's funny because like a situation like this in, the, in any other sports league, the coach would be fired immediately. But the guy who, you know, basically is the coach's boss is basically himself. So it's like he's not going anywhere anytime soon. You know what I'm saying? They would have to come from like upper, 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 upper management to make that call. But they're not going to make that call, you know? So... It's 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 really honestly it's astounding to watch. Um, it's almost like it's almost like laugh at your it's it's a laugh at your pain situation, but it's almost entertaining to see how bad they are at playing football, the Edmonton Elks. But you know, hopefully, you know we see Trey Ford in the next coming weeks. I don't, th- I, I I don't have a lot of optimism for him playing this weekend. Even you know they're doing a QB competition. I don't I still don't buy it. I still don't buy they're gonna play him, but. We'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. They could send him to Hamilton. That would be. Uh, I'd take that in a heartbeat. I oh, think Calgary man. might That's... want him too at this point. Or to Hamilton. I'm. I. You know what was crazy? My thought after watching last night's Calgary Montreal game, I had a thought before I heard this news that came out today: was Taylor Cornelius going to have a longer leash in what we've seen so far this year than Jake Mayer? Because, like, we were getting dangerously close because Calgary plays Toronto this week. So if Calgary doesn't win against Toronto and Edmonton was through the bye week still with Taylor Cornelius as their quarterback and they start him in two weeks, Mayer loses his job and Tommy Stevens gets a shot in Calgary. Like, that would have been a crazy thing to go down. Like, I think this, like, quite clearly this coaching cap has run out its welcome. I think, like, personally, I think it's destroying a franchise because how do you, as the commissioner of this league, and how do the other owners of teams in this league sit there and say, what's happening in Edmonton right now is good for our league? Like, it's it's not. Nobody wants, like, it's not entertaining football. It's not like they're close they're getting blown out. They're getting shut out in Canadian football, which is embarrassing at any level. You get shut out in high school football. There's parents calling for the coach to be canned, right? Like, it's it's just, it's impossible to not score in a professional Canadian football league game. Um, and this team has, has done it twice in what the did, last six weeks. What did they do at practice? I don't know. So, what did and they then, practice? Like, how bad does Trey Ford have to be at practice? To to not even be given a sniff before Jarius Jackson steps in. You know what I mean? Like how, you know, what did he do to Stephen McAdoo? Um, what did he do to Chris Jones? Like that's just like those are some of the things I want to know about what happened or what's been happening in Edmonton. And like the the far more embarrassing thing is that this isn't turning around anytime soon. Like Edmonton's ma- not magically getting better. Right, like they have Chris Jones through twenty twenty five, they have McAdoo through twenty twenty four, so like what's get like it's just it's so it's so brutal for this league to have to go through this. Like you get it, like teams are bad, they have down years, but this is just 
a whole nother level. Setting the record for professional sports, uh, professional North American sports, consecutive home losses. Like, at what point do you not say, like, hey, we might just have to eat this here? But, like, I get it. Like, they're at, from a business perspective, they can't afford to pay a guy who's not going to be in the building but who's also going to count against their coaching cap. Like, the coaching cap, which was put in place to equalize between the rich teams and the poor teams, is now destroying an entire franchise <laughs> in this league. Bro, they better, have free, they better have free beers at Commonwealth Stadium, man, at least. Just go free beers, man. So if you, if you bought a ticket to week one of Edmonton Elks football, that first home game of the season, you're about to go to your fifth home game for the price of that first game. Because they have guaranteed home win tickets. You get a ticket until we win at home. And guess what? Less people are showing up now than they were week one. Bro, just go free beers, man. Like, it, it's it's really, you know, as somebody who's kind of taken it on the chin about their team and the attendance of their team, Edmonton is on a new level right now because Toronto's outperforming them. Maybe not in comp tickets or, like, the official attendance. Because I think that, like, it came out that there was, like, 20,000 tickets for that game on Saturday night. There was maybe 6,000 people there. Maybe. And when you have a, a stadium as big as Commonwealth is, it makes it pretty, it makes it look bare bones when there's that few people in there. Bro, um, go free beers. I'm telling you. Go free beers for, like, a period of time in, like, in like you know, an hour of free beers. Pff, fill that bitch. It'll Would you up. go? Would you go, though? I free wouldn't. beers? For free beers? No, I wouldn't. If I'm an Elks fan for no. free beers, why wouldn't you? Why if, the wouldn't Argos, you if the Argos looked like this, if the Argos looked like the Elks, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near BMO Field. No matter what the promotion was. I'd still go because I'm a sucker for punishment. But I... I'm not diving too deep into that one, Troy. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. And I don't know where it was going, and I don't want to know. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I, I can I'm a sucker it. for punishment. Well, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't. Hey, you know uh, what? I'm, that's, I'm, we, just, we gonna, I'm just saying. That's, you I, guys go so wrong. Take it how you I, want I, I know what you mean, but, yeah, I'm just, I can't, I couldn't do it. I could, Like, I couldn't put myself through that. No matter, you know, no matter what the promotion was, I, I couldn't. I couldn't put myself through that personally. Three beers all game, then would you? Is there a cap? No. All right, maybe I would. Okay. You know what though? But like, so depends how expensive the tickets it. Uh, you know what? Yeah, it's probably it's free right. tickets. Free tickets. Yeah. <laughs> free yeah. free yeah. week one. Dude, I would right. pay. If, if I just I have to pay for my go train to to BMO Field, then I'd be good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if I could get free beers, hell. I'd pay like $35 for a ticket. That's nothing. Like, yeah, you're right. But, you know, it's bad in Edmonton. Um, it, You know, everybody kind of has thrown out that rock bottom saying. And from everything that I've seen, nobody is convinced that we are at the bottom yet for the Elks. Like, mm -hmm. there are people who think this could get worse before it gets better. Of course. I, I, if, <laughs> like... Bro, they they literally cannot do anything about their situation. And if they don't play Trey Ford, it's just going to get worse. But 
if they do play Trey Ford, um, it's still going to get worse because if it doesn't get better, it's going to get worse. So there's there's literally well, nothing they can do. So last week, by myself on the pod, I brought it up. They are they have the Madame Zeroni curse from holes on them until they play Trey Ford. Like they have this the this the Yelnats family curse on them until they they play Trey Ford. They are cursed for always an eternity until they carry Trey Ford up the mountain and let him drink the water from the stream and let him grow strong and and away he goes. But I'm gonna watch uh, that movie after this. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of great teen films, uh, I did do the pleasure of this podcast of watching. Zoe 102 um, this past weekend. It released on Saturday. So you know what? I will say Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 60%. IMDb was 4.3 out of 10. Um, I don't know what the meta score was. I don't know if there was one. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So you know how I said like when Alfred and I first had the conversation about it that you know, there was no chance I was going to watch it because it sounds like it was going to suck because it was going to be a cheesy remake. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, I'm definitely like the movie looks really good. Like, I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, I watched it. And you know what? It was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, definitely wasn't needed in the like Zoe 101 um, story arc. But I think it was fun. It was like it played really well with nostalgia cycled in a lot of like new stuff um spoiler alert like this isn't a huge spoiler for the movie but a little bit of a spoiler of the movie uh pacific coast academy was not a real school are you surprised by that the dean was stealing students tuition and it was not a because it was like a boarding school it was a private school so it wasn't an actual high school and they, like, technically didn't graduate, like, high school because it wasn't, like, an accredited school. And the, the, the dean, Dean Rivers, was just stealing all the money. What? Yeah. Yeah, but that threw you for a whirlwind, eh, Troy? Yeah, so they went through all that. That was a theory, like, going around the internet. Um like, I guess after it ended, it was like, man, there's no way this this school was like, the school was too good to have existed. Like, everything that they had and all this stuff, like, it was it was too good. Um, and then the movie was like, yeah, no, it wasn't real. Like, they all, they all just, like, wasted all this money. But so, was yeah, there, they were, like, the last any, graduating class. Was there any of the original characters in there? Yeah, so, like... Um, so that one room of guys like Logan, Michael, and Chase were all in it. And then Zoe and Quinn. So, like, the whole premise of the movie is they're all getting back together for Quinn and Logan's wedding. So Quinn and Logan kind of got together at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, Let me see. That. And so now it's their wedding 10 years later. Um, and so I will say, you know what, and, like, Go watch the original show. Watch the movie. Mark Del Figolo fumbled the biggest bag of all time. Oh, that buddy, so you many- had. <laughs> 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 well, 
What was his slogan when he was running for like class president? It's like I'm Mark Del Figolo and I care or something like that. It was like some stupid like that. But he was dating Quinn for so long in the show, and then they break up. I can't remember if Quinn and Logan kind of like got together before Quinn and Mark broke up. But Quinn and so Quinn and Mark were dating. Now Quinn is like this big like tech CEO person, and she's like really successful, and she's like gorgeous in the movie and mark is like the field producer for his wife stacy dilson who's the girl who's obsessed with cotton swabs she's now like has the number one murder podcast in america and mark is like her field producer and gets like all the audio and interviews that's not recorded in the studio vote mark figolo he'll make things better (laughs) i'm mark del figolo and i'll make things better yeah. But he just has that, like, he looks so, like, uninterested. Yeah. I'm Mark Del Figolo. I'll make things better. Just Googling, <laughs> just Googling that guy just brings back so many childhood memories. Yeah, so Mark Del Figolo was in it. Um, Him and Coconut Head from Ned's The Classified School Survival Guide, those are two super underrated characters. I big, big time characters. Yeah. Big time characters. You know what actor, the actor Thomas Lennon was in it. Um I, like, Yo. you guys might have known him, like know him from a lot of different stuff, but he's like a a pretty good like side character in a lot of comedies. He was hilarious. His character was one of my favorites in the whole movie. Um, what were you gonna say, Alfred? What was the I, yo? I just yo. Um... I just okay. I don't think I've ever watched the trailer. I thought I watched the trailer, but I didn't actually watch the trailer. So like most of the cast is in it, you know. That's actually yeah, crazy. So, but so there's no Dana, there's no Nicole, there's no Lola. So like Victoria, Justice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Those, and then there was like were... that. Yeah, those were like the girls who were roommates with Zoe. Yeah. The course of the show. But the Sassafras tea, like, what's their name? We love Sassafras. We all love Sassafras. We all love Sassafras tea. You remember that girl? She's in that movie. I forgot what her name is. I saw her, though. The, the girl with the lift. The lift. Stacey Dilson. Stacey Dilson. Conclash. Yeah, Conclash. Yeah. So yeah, she's yeah. married. She's in the movie. She's married to Mark Del Figolo. <laughs> oh yeah so like <laughs> and then mark it, like she has like a really big murder podcast and that's actually kind of a side story because zoe hires an actor to be her date to the wedding to get back at chase like or to make chase jealous and then he ends up being a suspect in like a murder case it's actually pretty like the only character i will say that i could have gone without was Logan's sister. Was not an original character from the show. Provided almost nothing to the movie. Um, and was more annoying than anything else. That was the only character that I felt like... I might have to watch this now. I, I could have gone I, without. I, I just watched the trailer and I just realized it's the whole, like... Not the whole original class, but, like, basically... The, it's, um... What's, uh... Her brother's not in it. The black dude in I, it? Uh... Yeah, he's in it. Oh, was, yeah, he is. I was just going to ask if Zoe's brother was in it. He's not, but he's mentioned once. So he oh. is a uh, father of two with twins on the way. Jesus. Michael. Yeah, Michael. The uh, He was like Chase and Logan's roommate. Yeah. yeah so his brother. Of course Corey, he would be in it. He need, Never mind. Uh, his brother, like in real life, is Corey, Corey from Not yeah. So Raven and Corey yeah. in the house. 
Yeah. Yeah. But like his character is like a music producer, I think, in the in the movie. It's yeah. actually like his story is pretty like he's pretty funny in the whole thing. And like I'm he's yeah, he's I'm the efficient. Alfred. I'm with Alfred. I think I'm gonna have to watch this movie. You yeah, know what? I, did, like, I it, didn't realize I didn't realize how much I need to watch if, it. Until if, now. if you like the now the other thing, like I forgot a lot <laughs> of stuff that happened at the end of that show. Like I, I feel like I probably should have gone back and watched like the last three episodes of the show just to like refresh trigger. it's it's hard yeah. though man it's hard it's hard bro i know it's hard. But, but i tried rewatching the show it's just it's hard. three episodes it's like they're 20 minutes an episode so it's like an hour that you're kind of giving to it and then you got to watch the, like i just you know i felt like i should have just to remind myself of the story and kind of where we left off and then where we pick up you know i, I think they say it's like 10 years later it's i think it's like or like 12 but it's actually like 15 years later um, yeah, for us so, yeah. yeah the so. movie the movie should have done you know like on the shows where they do like oh the previous episode they should have just done like the yeah they, they, episode they, and just giving you like they, a five minute like should have honestly like, like if they minute. just because like the whole movie is not the whole movie but like a lot of the movie is based around like chase and zoe's like previous relation relationship so like I feel like I missed, I either missed stuff or completely forgot what happened at the end of Zoe 101. And then they start talking about it. I was like, I don't remember that. Like, you know, and then there's some good, like, uh, at the very end, like, as the credits are rolling, there's some good one-liners in there. Like, Mark Del Figolo has a really good one-liner in there at the end. He's got it. I think he's also, like, one of my favorite characters. He's also just, like, such a pushover. Like, his wife just, like, pushes him around. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. And, like, meanwhile, he's got to go to his ex-girlfriend's wedding to, like, this super rich guy. And she's super rich. And she's, like, a bombshell now. It's just, like, it would, I would, like, if I was Mark, I'd be like, no, I'm not going. <laughs> Mark Del Figolo is me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Mark Del Figolo in real life. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Also, Dude. like, the, uh, the, like, show twist that they they have like zoe is like um she's like a producer on like a reality tv show that aspect of it really funny really funny yeah if you were to ask 13 or however old i was when that show was on if you would ask troy at that age i would have told you jamie lynn spears was like my all like all-time celebrity crush oh i like yo that's what quinn looks like now what yes the... well man so they were like so in the, I watched the trailer, and they were like, and I saw, or I saw the poster, and I noticed like I recognized the guy who played Matthew Underwood, who played Logan, and I was like, oh, he's getting married. And I was like, ooh, good for him. Like, way to go. Who's he marrying? And then I saw it was Quinn. And I was like, oh my goodness, she had a big glow up. Yeah. So I was. Uh, you know, overall, good experience. I recommend I recommend the watch, um, especially for, like, just the nostalgia purposes. It's cheesy, but it's, like, it's done well. Like, it's they know it's cheesy, and they kind of do it that way. Yeah, within 10. Yeah, cheesy within yeah. 10. What would you rank it out of 10 before we move back to football talk? Um, I would probably, like, as a film or, like, just, like, my personal view on it. Just your personal view on it. I give it like a seven and a half, maybe an eight. Like it, it was, 
I think it was as good or better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I laughed. I didn't, like, think, like, oh, this storyline is stupid, except for Logan's sister. Like, that was the only thing I didn't really understand. Um, again, like, probably didn't need the movie, but it happened. They did it. It was fine. Um, it's kind of like, did you watch? did you watch Breaking Bad? No, I didn't. Alfred, did you watch Breaking Bad? Are you about to say Better Call Saul? No, El Camino. Oh, I didn't watch El Camino. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, though. Like, I watched El Camino, and I thought it was, like, a... It was okay. It was kind of boring. But, like, it was... Like, Zoe 101... Or Zoe 102 to Zoe 101 is better than El Camino to Breaking Bad. That's what else. I mean, they did do Breaking... Better call Saul, so that's but that's a prequel. Better call, yeah. Like if they, if, is... I mean, if they made a movie or a TV show about how this Dean Rivers guy uh, created this school to steal money from kids, that would I would watch that one hundred percent. And then like as the like weave it into as the show went on, like while like they were there, what he was doing behind the scenes to like steal money from kids, they'd have to make that really like. I feel like that would have to be like uh, almost like a Kirby enthusiast. You watch? You ever watch Kirby enthusiast? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it'd have to be like not like Curb, but like more like a like the Office for like you know type of comedy, but it's kind of fucked. But it's like you know, but it's, yeah, it, it's age appropriate. But you know, you could watch it if you're a little bit you know if you're a little bit mature as a kid. But you know, anyways, mm-hmm. let's get back into football. Though. <laughs> um, yeah. So overall. Uh, Zoe 102, um, just fine, you know, just fine. If you, if you want to watch it, watch it. If you don't, don't. Um, but if you do want to watch it and you have that expectation of a cheesy sequel, um, to a show that you loved 20 years ago, I think you're, you're going to get what you want out of it. All right, let's move on to, uh, what's going on next week in the Canadian Football League. And we start on Thursday night with probably the banner game of the week the one that um, most cfl fans as a whole are going to be the most excited about obviously you're going to be excited about your team playing um but if you're not a fan of bc or winnipeg the game you're going to want to watch is the blue bombers hosting the lions for the first time since bc won 30 to 6 uh earlier this season uh the second matchup of three so far this year winnipeg comes in at five and two bc is six and one the Winnipeg Blue Bombers favored by four and a half on the spread. They're minus 210 on the money line. And the over-under is 44 and a half. A reminder that BC does not have Vernon Adams Jr. this week. What do we think about this game, Troy? You're stroking your beard. I think you're thinking pretty hard. Uh, what do we think about what's going to happen in this game? Man, I don't even know. Like... A few weeks ago when they first met, I felt very confident in Winnipeg covering the spread. You know, Vernon Adams Jr. is playing. I'd say absolutely I'm hammering BC. But, you know, Dane Evans, you looked good last week, or I guess this week, however, whenever you're listening to it, um, against Edmonton. But, you know, Dane Evans, he burned me a few times in Hamilton last season when I thought he was going to, start rolling and kind of get back to the Dean Evans that we saw in 2019 and a little bit in 2021. And then he followed up with a bad performance. And, you know, he struggled um, against the Blue Bombers 
I guess, I mean, you know, I guess he hasn't played that many games against them. But I, I think I like Winnipeg to cover the spread, but I don't feel confident in saying that. Alfred, what are you thinking? Um, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think, you know, though Winnipeg has got, you know, a few of their guys back with um, Kenny Law coming back, I think they're in a better position, in a more competitive position, I would say. Um, but there's just something about BC that I feel like kind of haunts them. But I, I definitely think they want to, you know, get that re- that 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 revenge from that thirty to six beating from a couple weeks back. But I, I I I think for me, I really honestly, my gut is telling me BC. Um, but yeah, like my gut's telling me BC, but like I, I feel like Winnipeg probably wins it but my gut is telling me that bc you know you know i i think they're gonna come out with the win so i would go with them on the spread for sure yeah i think i'm in the same boat as you there like i think winnipeg's gonna win the game but i like bc to cover again like i, I just don't know like it, again troy said it really well there like if vernon adams jr was playing i think bc would be favored by a touchdown like i think we're just at that point where Winnipeg has just been less than impressive multiple times over to convince me that they're going to walk away with this one. Um, BC with Dane Evans has been fine, but they're obviously not BC with Vernon Adams. Um, It's just, you know, BC's defense can be a difference maker in the game. Um, They can make up for a lot. And, yeah, it just feels like Winnipeg hasn't been able to figure things out um, recently. So I I think I'm on the Winnipeg to win, BC to cover. Even the over-under number I'm kind of scared of because of the quality of the defenses in the game. Um, I said that last time. Yeah. Remember I said that? I said that with Argos and... The Argos and uh, the Argos and BC. I said that. Oh, the defense is in this game. Yeah, it was Mike. like a combined seventy points. Yeah, <laughs> like these guys will go for almost damn near a hundred points. Like okay. Yeah. Um. So I don't Never know. I don't know where I'm going to land on this one, but this is an interesting matchup. I think it's the game that everybody's kind of looking forward to because it's, you know, Winnipeg can pull even in the season series going into the rubber match. I think they play each other in October after this. Um. And they can pull even at atop the West Division, or BC can take the season series, and they can, you know, get a two-game buffer atop the uh, atop the West Division standing. So, really, really important game in the West, and that's Thursday night, eight thirty. Friday night, only game on Friday night, nine o'clock. The Calgary Stampeders, who have been struggling, host the Toronto Argonauts. So Toronto goes from. Halifax, Nova Scotia to Calgary, Alberta. Uh, Troy, will you be at this game? I will not be. No, uh, my dad's memorial is this weekend, so but I will be tuned in watching it on the TV. So if anyone listening to this in the Calgary area wants tickets, please hit me up on Twitter at Troy Durrell. I will give them to you for free. Oh, there we go. All right. Well, Toronto is favored seven and a half uh, on the spread. Uh, minus 370 on the money line. The over-under on this game is 50 and a half. 
So 5-0.5. What do we like on this one, guys? Uh, I kind of like the under. I don't know. I like the Argos to cover. Uh, As you said, Calgary's winless at home so far. Um, But, yeah, I I think I'm Calgary hasn't won at home? No. No. 0-3. I said that earlier. Thanks for paying attention. I, no, I did. I did. It didn't register. Like, oh man, that is man. Yeah. What is going on in the West this year, bro? I know. I know. Yeah, I, I'm gonna take the under and the Argos to cover whatever spread it is. Just the stamps yeah. have uh, not looked good, and as we've said, all the good things about the Argos, I'm not gonna repeat them because it tasted sour coming out of my mouth the first time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna take the Argos to cover and uh, take the under. Yeah, the under. Yeah, uh, the Argos have gone under fifty four times this year, three times. Under fifty. Yeah, so three they were they were forty six last week. They were forty six the week before. Week before that, they were sixty two. Week before that, they were sixty nine. Before that, it was seventy four, and then it was forty oh, six. Uh, yeah, so they've they've hit forty six three times, and they've gone over three times, over fifty three times. So they're fifty fifty. Yeah. Yeah, and they're juicing, they're juicing their numbers now, eh? So, well, and I'm just like Calgary. I mean, Calgary scores at a pretty good clip, and they do allow a lot of points. Like, so the the over is kind of tasty on that, but it is a big number. Like, it is that is large. Yeah, it is. Like, you got to think like if the Argos win thirty-one to eighteen, or Calgary wins thirty-one to eighteen, whatever no chance. Like that's. That's under. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go under. I'll go under. I don't I don't see Calgary scoring that much at all. Um I don't see them is is Kadeem Carey back this week? I don't even, believe so. Even if he's back this week, I don't see them scoring that that often. Um Jake Mayer, you know, I see him <laughs> giving up a couple a couple of those balls too, so um, yeah, I don't I don't see them scoring more than like 20, 20, 25 points. So I definitely yeah, well, twenty five gets you halfway there. Halfway there, but I don't see them scoring even twenty. So um how much did they score against what? Um Montreal, eighteen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so Calgary scored eighteen. They scored forty one the week before against Ottawa. They scored 33 against Saskatchewan, 11 against Winnipeg, 26 yeah, against Saskatchewan, 26 against Ottawa, under. 15 against BC. I'd definitely go to under. But every time I've gone to under this year, I've lost. So it is what it is. I just, like, it, it's just a personal thing for me where it's like if I think it's going under, I'm not going to play it because I, I have more fun when I bet the over. Because you're just cheering for points, right? Like you're, you're just, just cheering for scores. You know, you're you're just cheering for chaos. Um, I like the Argos. I like the Argos to cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Problem. I mean, I'm, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see a problem with that. I don't. You won't get no boo from me on that. You know the the travel. You know, six days going from Nova Scotia to Calgary and having a pit stop in Toronto. Cares. You're on the who care. I think travel plays a big factor in it. Yeah, but not when not when a team is 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 fiery like this. You no, know, like yeah, yeah. Like, right. I, I don't. Right. Know. 
You know, Calvin? you got Javon, you got Javon Leak running down the sideline. You got Deshaun Amos running down the sideline. You got Devaris Daniels running down. Like every person on, everyone's scoring. It doesn't it doesn't matter what jersey you wear. You're scoring as an Argo. You know what I'm saying? Any, it could be you any week. You know what I'm saying? Anyone right. could be. I you so. know I don't I don't disagree, but Calgary's backs against the wall too. Like they got to come out swinging. You know, who, like who they swinging with? That's fair. It's a good point. It's, you know what? It's valid. It is Who valid. Who they swing it with? Um, yeah, I'm going to go Argos minus seven and a half on this one. Uh, all right, let's go to Saturday night. Hamilton uh, hosting the Ottawa, or Ottawa, the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, this is a one and a half point spread in favor of Montreal. Minus 115 on the money line. Over under is 46 and a half. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to hammer this 115 right now before that line changes, because I don't I don't see Hamilton winning this game. I've said it before. I think Montreal is far and away the second best team in the East Division. Um, I don't <laughs> I you know especially with Taylor Powell playing at quarterback. I just I don't see it with Hamilton this week against this Montreal team uh, who's coming off that win against Calgary. Uh, oh, as we're speaking, the line just shifted, so it's now minus two and a half for Montreal, minus one thirty-five on the money line. Uh, Over/under is still forty-six and a half. I'm still going with Montreal on the money line, minus one thirty-five. I think it's pretty good value for, I think, which is going to be a guaranteed win. Uh, minus two and a half on the on the spread, pretty good too. Uh, Troy, uh, what's your thought? Your eyes are pretty big. You you fucking know it. Guaranteed win, damn. I mean, I'm I like. I, obviously, I mean, Bully by Mitchell's playing. I probably feel a little bit differently, but uh, I don't know. see how I don't see that spread being that close with Bully by Mitchell playing. Obviously, I said my piece about him earlier. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm probably gonna take the Alouettes. Just guaranteed win. Damn, like you're that confident in it, hey? Tycats stink. Okay, well, I mean, you're obligated to say that, so <laughs> prove no. me wrong. I uh. Yeah, I I would probably if I I never been on Taika games I never have never will just because that stresses me out they stress me out enough as is if I put money on the game it just adds further stress so um, but if I was a betting man I would probably take Montreal two and a half or whatever it is and I would take the under because you know eh, actually you know what Hamilton's defense yeah no I'm still taking the under probably so you know what I will say. As much as we can talk about Hamilton's defense playing well, um, so I was looking at this because Montreal has the lowest scoring offense in the East Division. Um, mind you, they've played one less game than Hamilton and Ottawa, um, but even then, they're 15 points back of Hamilton and they're 21 back of Ottawa. Um, Montreal has allowed the second most points in the Canadian Football League, and they've played one less game than Edmonton, who they've only allowed. Five less points then. Jesus. Okay, so maybe I should take the over. Montreal, uh, Hamilton has allowed, or is barring a shutout or a three-point performance from Montreal, Hamilton is going to be the highest scored on team in the Canadian Football League through uh, nine weeks of the regular season. Well, yeah. They've, or uh, eight weeks. In history? Or just this No, like, like this season. Like they will pass Edmonton. This week in points allowed, unless they allow a field goal or less. 
Yeah, they uh, like as soon as Montreal scores their first touchdown of the game on the first drive, <laughs> Hamilton <laughs> will pass Edmonton for allowing the most points in the CFL this year. Man, and they'll and they'll be even in games. That is when they like they'll be even through this point of the season. Yeah, well, the difference is is Hamilton has three wins, so. Hamilton has 146 points and Edmonton has 105. I think there's a lot less separating Hamilton and Edmonton than you think. Well, I mean, other than three wins. Three yeah, wins. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk yeah. about it. Talk about it. A win just... against Edmonton and two wins against Ottawa. No, I, uh, hey, I mean, as I said over the group chat, you guys are ready to crown Dustin Crown. Hamilton's been the only team that's been able to beat him so far. So, but. No, yeah, Hamilton's defense, I mean, other than this last week against Ottawa, they averaged like 31 points allowed per game. So um, hopefully the game against the Red Blacks kind of gives them that jump start that they need because they're obviously a lot better than that on paper. And, uh, yeah, the defense is going to need to play well uh, this week, and they're going to need to play well in however many games um, Taylor Powell's the starting quarterback. So that's... uh, that's kind of that, I guess. Alfred, what do you like in uh, Montreal, Hamilton? Yeah, you already know the answer to this. Shout out Kayon Julian Grant. Shout out Austin Mack. You know what I'm saying? Shout out Cody Fajard. Cody Fajard. We're going Montreal. I'm, I'm, they're covering the spread. No problems. No questions asked. Minus two and a half. <laughs> No, so, no questions asked. So since, no questions asked. Since we started this conversation, the odds have shifted again. So when we started this conversation, the money line was minus 115 for Montreal, minus 105 for Hamilton. It is now minus 140 for Montreal, plus 120 for Hamilton. That is yeah. how much it's shifted since we've started talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, I, I still Montreal. like... I think 140 is kind of like my cap when I do like a uh, single game, like individual bets on it. But yeah, my, Montreal, like if you're looking at minus 140, I would go Montreal minus two and a half and minus 110 on the spread. What's, um, what's, uh, what's Kaon's overs right now? They don't have it out yet. They'll probably oh, okay. release it closer to the game just because we're, we're we so FanDuel? FanDuel, yeah. They usually release those. They're, they're a lot better. Last year, they released them like four hours before the game. Um, this year, it's like three days before. So I'd imagine okay. like Wednesday you'd be looking okay. at it. Um, last game of the weekend, Sunday night in Saskatchewan, the Ottawa Red Blacks, fresh off a loss to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, are favored minus 120 on the money line. Minus one and a half on the spread against the struggling Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Mason Fine, who are plus 100 on the money line, plus one and a half on the spread. 44 and a half is the over-under number. Um, what do you guys think of this one? Wait, who's the favorite? Ottawa, on the road. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Auto, I, I'm going with the favorites. I think I'm going with the favorites this week, except for B.C., that BC game, yeah, I think Ottawa. There's no reason, you know, that little hiccup they had with the with the Ty Cats. What do you mean a little hiccup? 
That's a little hiccup, man. Come on, hiccup. man. Come on. All I hear on this that, show is how it's, wins are all awful, that the other teams just have hiccups. When I mean, you, right. how you, how do you win and throw five picks? I don't. That's a hiccup. That's a hiccup. Because they were the better team. It was weather. It was literally, that was literally the only reason the game wasn't 45 to 6. I mean, was it the weather? Yeah, okay. Was, was, I think it was the five interceptions that believe I mentioned. That, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was a hiccup. Okay. Uh, and yeah. Casey sales and Casey sales, Casey sales with that little butterfly effect. You know, shout out the. I think it was the CFO that posted that or something like that. Butterfly effect. Casey sales batting down the ball. But no, anyways. Um, that again, that little hiccup in Hamilton. They won't repeat it. Maybe that you know Hamilton just has their number this year. But you know, I I think. Um, Ottawa Red Blacks will, you know, redeem themselves in Saskatchewan, in Heartland of Canada. So yeah, um, I'll take I'll take the spread on that, I'll, and I'll take them straight up too. Man, if people could see my computer screen, I'd be throwing tomatoes right at you, both you guys. <laughs> Man, I just, Ooh, just I boom. think that you are over exaggerating the quality. T- of team that Hamilton is. Uh, and Alfred and I are just kind of like seeing it for as oh, it is. I'm just saying, all I heard you're stuck in your fandom. It's okay. All, you're stuck in your fandom. All I heard from both y'all was how good Dustin Crumb was. And now that they beat him and made him look pretty average. Oh, it was a hiccup. Uh, hey. Let's give credit. Every dog has his day. Every dog has his day. was due. Just give every every dog has his day, man. The every only, dog has his day. They're the only team that have caused him really any problems from okay, exactly. Congratulations! If I told you that what? five weeks ago that you're gonna hang your hat on beating Dustin Crumb, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just stating. You guys came on here a couple weeks ago talking about oh Dustin Crumb's <laughs> thing that Hamilton beats him. Like and all it is. Oh well, it wasn't that impressive. It wasn't well, that? Okay, you got to remember. You like your wins are. Dustin Crumb coming off the bench, like having never, like you, like you're saying, we beat him twice. You just didn't technically beat him the first time. You beat Ottawa the first time where he came off the bench, and he hadn't done what made us so excited about him to begin with. And then you beat the Edmonton Elks, who, let's be honest, right now the York Lions could beat the Edmonton Elks at this point. That's maybe a little bit far. Sorry, the Alberta Golden Bears. I, you know, that's probably yeah. too far too. Yeah, 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 too far. Anyways, but, <laughs> get him out, get him out, get him you know, out. You know what I mean? Like, like, congrats on beating Edmonton. And then you beat, okay, you beat Ottawa 16 to 12. You got to play who's in front of you. Yeah. Okay, win a, win a game against this the team who's not in last place in their division. Win a game against the team that's not in last place. If you beat Montreal this week, I'll eat crow on it. But until that happens, until Hamilton proves that they can hang with good teams or sufficient teams, I'm just not seeing it. Look how fired up Ottawa, Ottawa, two wins with Dustin Crumb are far more impressive than anything Hamilton's done this year. Anyways, I'm taking the Rough Riders. Uh, for some reason, I like Yeah? Some He's reason. Rough Riders? For some reason. He's you Dustin don't believe Crumb, in Dustin Crumb, eh? Troy wakes up with night terrors of Dustin Crumb. 
No, like he, I this just, guy haunts his sleep. I just need more film on him before I'm like you guys going, yeah, this guy's going to be the next. Or the you know what? Panel. All I heard Friday night through the pregame and all through the weather delay was how great Dustin Crumb was. And yeah, the two games he had, he showed some stuff. Like, I do believe that he could be something in this league. I'm just not ready to put him in that. But look at it this way. Look at it this way. This is what I would say. This is what I would say to that. My argument to that is, why wouldn't you want Dustin Crumb to be everything you talk about? I do. I'm worried that his precious Thai cats aren't going to win a Grey Cup for another 24 years. That doesn't have anything to do with it. That has nothing to do with it. Look at look at look at the QB play we have right now. You know what I'm saying? Look at around the league at the QB play right now. Look at the starting I, quarterbacks right now. The CFL in in terms of like I always say I'm a CFL fan first and then a Ticat fan. I'm yeah, like, it's coming through on this conversation. Gosh, well, I'm just saying, you guys I'm just not ready after two good games and two I would say he played pretty poorly, uh on Friday night against Hamilton. Yeah, weather, on Friday he the did. Weather, but the he, weather, he, weather. He, he did Just, well okay, so coming off the so bench. The weather, the weather he did well coming off the bench against throw. Hamilton that first time. But Bo Levi throws five picks. Well, no, weather has nothing to do with it. Just, as I said, I'm just saying I just need more tape of Dustin Crumb before I'm ready to go, yeah, this guy's going to be the next big thing in Canadian football. That's all and, I'm saying. I, and, I personally hope he does it. I personally hope that he comes out and proves to me and makes me shut my mouth that he is going to be a quality starting quarterback in the CFL. I just have not seen enough over a consistent period of time. I need longevity to be able to be a believer. I'm just not at that point yet. And I'm just saying that I need Hamilton to beat somebody that's not in last place in their division before (laughs) I don't think that they are a hot flaming pile of garbage. Uh, that's fine. I'm just saying you can't pick one and tell me to one. Each his own. To each his own. To each his own. I can do whatever the hell I want. Well, yeah, and so can I. Yeah, <laughs> I. I'm just telling you what you're doing is wrong. Well, yeah, and you're doing the exact same thing. Like, this no, is. It's different. Yes. Hey, oh, my. It's different. It's different. No, hey, no. it's for the love of the game. It's for the love of the game. No, you guys came it's for the love of the game. To go, like, I could not get you guys to shut up about Dustin Crown. He loses place poorly. Well, okay, it's a hiccup. Like there was no credit. It's given. a hiccup. It's a. He's a rookie QB. He's a rookie QB. Okay, but yes. Sorry again, if no credit given to Hamilton is my point. Like, no, no. Yeah, their, see, their defense. No, their defense played well. Their defense played well. Just continue but, on. I know I'm not going to get you guys to change your opinion on this. <laughs> like, just give your pick for Saskatchewan and Ottawa. No, no, no. No, and no, the fact no. That the Rough Riders are going to beat the Red Blacks, and then I'm going to come back on here and be like, okay, you guys still loving Dustin Crumb? No, no. Like, so. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, this is just going to go. We could talk about this for another three hours. It's just going to be. Do I think that there is a longer leash on mistakes for Dustin Crumb than I do for Bo Levi Mitchell? Absolutely. Right? Like, it's the same conversation we want to have about Bo where. I am concerned about the level of play that he's had this year. I don't think it's been good enough, but it's been shielded by his injuries. But when he does play, the expectations are he's still going to be an elite-level quarterback because there are people who put him in the conversation of being one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the CFL, or at least in the, you know, this century in the CFL. Um, 
So do I think there's a little bit more leniency for Dustin Crum not to play well? Yes, I do. I do think that that's the case. Um, but I will say Hamilton's defense played well, but I'm just not impressed with Hamilton. Like, I, they have done nothing to prove to me that they are a team that is in contention for a playoff spot. Right. And I'll eat crow on it. I will. You beat Montreal this week? Sure. Let's go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll take it on the chin. Yeah, if you beat Montreal, hey, you know what? But when Ottawa beats Saskatchewan and Hamilton loses by 10 to Montreal or more, <laughs> and we come on this show, I'm just saying I'm going to be even more unbearable because <laughs> I think, we're, I think you're sitting there shaking knowing that you're wrong. And that this is a realistic scenario that's going to happen this week. And I'm taking Ottawa on the money line because Dustin Crum is going to prove that it was a hiccup and it was just a weather game. And he's going to go into Mosaic Stadium. Swag out. Kick the shit out of Saskatchewan. And the Ticats are going to get embarrassed at home by the Montreal Alouettes. And that's the way it's going to go. Man, what I, day is that game? I what day is that game? This podcast like four years ago when Toronto had like two wins and Hamilton was. 15. Yeah, congrats. We're doing it when the Argos are the defending Grey Cup champions and they're six and zero best team in the Canadian Football League. For and me. the Hamilton Tiger Cats stink. For <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton. Man, you need. Hey, you got to get Josh back on here, man. You got to get Josh back on here. Yeah, it's 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 unfair right now. I'm, I'm not. Troy, even... Troy, you got to tell Josh. Alfred, you're definitely on his side. It's definitely. I, 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 I mean, I even hey, I, man. I need Josh back badly. Josh, we're pulling you off the six game injured list early. You know what? You, you better you better get him in the game. Yeah, we're we're gonna pull him on. He's at fifty cent right now. I'm just gonna pull him up and tell Troy, him. Troy, Troy, you're gonna you're you're taking it on the chin a little bit right now, and wow. I apologize for that. But it's just you know we kind of wait. All know. Troy's, I mean, Josh's at fifty cent. That's yeah, where he's at. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so H- Hamilton, Montreal is Saturday at seven. And then Ottawa, Saskatchewan is Sunday at seven. Why did you ask when the game was, Alfred? Because I was, gonna, I think I might want to go to the game. Oh, and watch just, Hamilton lose by double yeah. digits to Montreal. Yeah, Saturday, you, this, Saturday this, you know, take it all in, take it all in. Yeah, absorb it, and then you can send the stuff to Troy as it's happening. It's so funny because I used to be a Tigers fan. You could be like Michael B. Jordan and Black Panther. Is this your team? Is this your team? Yeah. I, As they're getting I, I, destroyed by Montreal. You know, That's what I I'm going to do. I actually used to be a Tigers fan. Well, yeah. why, why'd you stop? Oh, well. Because that was before I went, to, before I got drafted, and then, you know, I, and then your interests change. You know? why, why wouldn't you cheer for Hamilton? Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Because they stink. Mm. Real mature. Yeah, the year I would, the year... The last time, okay, so I'll, I'll say it like this. My fr- my one of my good buddies, his dad is a Ticast legend, so we always used to go to Ticast yeah, yeah, like every yeah. year. Yeah, so we go and have fun, and I'm like, oh, this is great, great times, great vibes, and this is when Ticats were really good, going to back to back great cups, and then I got drafted, and then they became an enemy, and then. I had interest elsewhere, and then they just haven't been good since. So I just haven't been able to, you know, buy in. 
So, yeah, they stink. Um, so that's our picks for this week. Before we go, I do want to give you updated odds on a couple of things for future bets in the CFL. Updated odds for Grey Cup winner. Toronto Argonauts plus 190. Winnipeg Blue Bombers plus 250. The BC Lions are plus 350. Montreal is plus 1,000. Hamilton is plus 1,500. Ottawa is plus 1,700. Calgary plus 1,900. So is Saskatchewan. And the Edmonton Elks are plus 21,000. Uh, that's even that's even too that's too good odds. I mean that's too um like, so division so it, this is a really interesting one, I think, um for division winners. Uh to win the West Division, Winnipeg minus one thirty five, BC plus one ten. I think if you think that BC is going to win the game this weekend against Winnipeg to sprinkle some cash on plus 110 on BC. I think that's because if BC wins this weekend, those odds are going to change because now they have the season series against Winnipeg and they have a two-game buffer, uh, and they did it without Vernon Adams. Um, so that's what I'll say about that. The Edmonton Elks are um, – they have shorter odds to win the Grey Cup than they do to win the West Division. They're plus 42,000 to win the West Division. Just interesting. The Argos are minus 950 to win the East Division. Uh, Montreal is plus 1,400. Uh, Hamilton is plus 1,700. Ottawa is plus 2,100. Um, your updated most outstanding player odds, Chad Kelly plus 175. So is Zach Caleros. Cody Fajardo 11, plus 1,100. Vernon Adams is plus 1,200. And then in fifth is Jake Mayer at plus 2,200. And in sixth place is Dustin Crum at plus 2,900. So this FanDuel is saying that the sixth best option for most outstanding player is Troy's favorite guy, Dustin Crum of the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, plus 2,900. Also, this one interesting. I talked about it last week on the pod. I did sprinkle some money on um, these plays, so I do want to give an update to how they're looking after Edmonton lost against BC this past weekend. So Edmonton Elks' first 2023 home win. You can bet on which game you think Edmonton is going to win at home. So last week, I put $10 on it to be September 9th against Calgary, $10 on no home win in 2023, and $10 on August 27th against Ottawa. Um, so when I put it down for Ottawa, it was plus 480. That odd, Those odds have now shifted to plus 186. So I got them at 300 points higher than what they're currently paying right now. No home win in 2023. I got at plus 560. It's now plus 285. And uh, September 9th against Calgary, I got at plus 1100. And that is currently plus 460 uh, right now. So the odds changing in that one, I just don't see them winning on August 10th against Winnipeg. I think their only realistic win chances are those two games, uh, one against Ottawa, one against Calgary. And then if not, they're not going to win at home. So I thought that those were some pretty good plays. The payout isn't as good now just because of how bleak it's looking in Edmonton. So that's the updated futures bets on FanDuel um, as we kind of get into the mid part of the season. Do you guys have any thoughts before... Uh, we sign off for this week and look ahead to next week's games. Nope, 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 nope. I just, you know, can't wait to see Troy next week. That's all I have to say. I can't wait to see him next week. That's it. I'm pretty excited about whichever way it goes because if if I'm wrong, I can't wait to see Troy finally it like fired. win one of these for once. 
And yeah, he can maybe Josh me. comes too. Yeah. Eh? Maybe yeah. Josh jumps Troy, in. Troy can sit there and torch me all he wants. I get it. I support it. Um, but if, you know, if, if Hamilton loses. Oh, this would be a rough one. And Ottawa wins. Ooh, Troy might want to join Josh on the. Maybe just the one game. <laughs> yeah, he might be on a one game. He might be on a one game. He might, it might be, be a, it might be me and Jack next week. Just I might be doing goal. another solo one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be relentless. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. All right, boys. Well, that was fun. Uh, week eight in the books here at the uh, in the CFL. Week number nine coming up this week. Then we've got some, uh, some interesting games the week after as well. So, um, you know, we're... We're getting into that, like, we're almost in August. It is. I guess now it's August when this episode's going out. Um, so we're getting into the thick of it here, and then we're going to get into Labor Day talks pretty soon, and then after that we're cruising into the playoffs. So this season flying by, and uh, I'm enjoying every second of it. Uh, thank you very much for those who have tuned in on our YouTube, at House of CFL on YouTube. You can also follow House CFL on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Same with Eaton and Raw, as well as Showtime Digital. This has been the Five Yard Hill. What's the road doing over there? <laughs>